Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fit Health Well, Running Wild Black, The Roundtable Discussion, Part 2, Season Finale. And in today's episode, we have four podcasters, uh, Derek from the Behind the Wheel podcast, Tasha from Black Girl, SOS, and Kim of The Run Wave, to just have continued discussion on the topic of Running Wild Black. And what we wanted to do is just create a space where us as black runners can just vent and talk about the issues that has been going on and, and just plaguing us. Um, and in terms of that, what I, what I mean by that is just the injustices that we have been seeing, um, which at the root of it is the Ahmaud Arbery case. Um, what I'd like to do and, and what the goal is ultimately is, you know, just find better solutions and better relations and things of that nature to help us move forward. But the discussion is regarding us venting, regarding the events that's happening around the case and just, you know, what's going on with us. Because to be quite frankly, we're just tired, right? And I'm not the only one that feels this way. And there's a lot of black people that feel this way. There's a lot of people that aren't black to feel this way. And when it, it hits home, when whether you work out or or you're a runner and you know that okay I can't go for a run because this is another element of life I need to be concerned with it becomes problematic so I want to warn you this is an explicit episode uh, but it's a necessary episode and we always encourage and I always encourage rather um, people to speak their minds in a constructive way which I felt was the goal and what we succeeded as and I'll never ignore issues related to this or human rights issues as well. Not only black issues, but human rights issues. But this was something as it related to fitness, physical exercise, going out and working and working out and just going for a run and just having to worry about your life. So we're going to get into this episode. And it's just wanted to everybody to know, thank everybody for following and listening for the past 20 episodes. It's greatly appreciated. I'm very, very thankful for that as well. And we're going to continue to move, take strides forward, not only with the program, um, but to bringing you and producing great content. So again, I just want to thank you guys for that. And here we go. I want you to talk. I listened to your last show. So I really want you to like, Go into that, like with you know your encounter in the supermarket and just how you feel about the um, you know the Aubrey case. Um, Tasha so, meet Derek. Derek meet Tasha. Um, so I'm located in Orlando, Florida. I'm actually in Winter Park, which is like a little city right outside of Orlando, and I'm from the Bronx. Um. You would normally yes. be able to very much hear it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's, it's just, it's been a day. So, um, anyway, I was in the supermarket and, you know, they got all these new protocols set up where there's one line and they kind of filter you into the aisles now. And so I walked all the way to the back of the line, which is literally on the other end of the supermarket. And when I got back there, I just had a small basket and the manager who is a black man, he was like, is that all you have? And I said, yes. He said, well, there's an express line up front. And he told me to go back to the front of the store, which again is now on the opposite end of the store that I just walked from. So he got on the walkie talkie and he, um, walkie talkie, the people that are filtering people into the lines and said, I'm sending one to the express line. At that point, 
I walked over there. I, now, at this point, I walked past these people twice. I walked past them going to the back of the line, and I walked past them going to the front of the line. So I'm on the line. I'm waiting my turn, six feet distance. There's somebody in front of me, and then there's somebody being cashed out. There's a freezer right to the left of the line, and I see this pressed coconut water that I've been, like, stalking everybody for, like, calling across town, like, does your Publix have it? Because mine doesn't. So mine finally got it, and I was like, oh, yes. I put my basket down on the little circle that says six feet distance, went to the freezer, grabbed, like, two of them, threw them in my basket. As I'm coming to the back to my basket, the line is moving. So I grab my basket, and I'm moving. The lady starts yelling, oh, you know, the line is in the back. This is the lady that works there. And I was like, I'm well aware. Like, you're well aware that you saw me walk by you twice. So what's your point? So then she was like, no, you know, there's a line, and, and it's fine, it's fine. I said, if it was fine, then you wouldn't have said nothing. I said, if it's a problem, let's just go call the manager, because that's who sent me up here. I didn't come up here of my own volition. I said, and I know he called you, because I didn't leave until he called you. I did not leave until he got on the phone, on the walkie-talkie with you. So what's the problem? She's like, it's not a problem. We'll take care of you. I said, but it seems like a problem. Because mm-hmm. if it wasn't a problem, you wouldn't be making no loud-ass announcement in the middle of white-ass Winter Park to my one black dot-ass in the supermarket like, I won't fuck this shit up, because I will. <laughs> this is where you have fucked up. You think I have an issue being an angry black woman. No issue with it. Don't even bother me. Don't affect me. Shit is just a motherfucking adjective. I moves on. So then she's like, no, 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 it's okay. I said, but call the manager if, like, if you feel like this is a problem. Call the manager. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. So the whole time I'm still online because now somebody else is being cashed out. And I'm still waiting. So I'm just me mugging the shit out of her the entire time. Like, if looks had killed, she would have dropped dead. Let's say when you said that, I, I felt all of the Bronx at the <laughs> Yeah, because you're making the scene, like, literally for no reason at all. No reason at mm-hmm. all. Like, you're making it seem like I arbitrarily cut the line. Like, I felt like I didn't have to wait online. Like, I felt entitled. And, like, there's very few Black people that come in and out of that store, just in general, that don't work there because of where it's located. Bitch, you're not finna play with me. <laughs> you're not. You're not. Now, you're in Florida. So, what is, like... You know, that's another steer in your ground state. What is what is these, the climate these, like in these Florida? It's a standing a fucking idiotness is what they're doing. So <laughs> I live in a blue county. So Orange County is blue. We have an old black man for a mayor. It's like having your granddad as a mayor. He's the best. Like he he's basically Cuomo. So he'll get on the news and he'll be like, yeah, I read this memo from DeSantis. I don't know what he's talking about. But anyway, sit y'all asses down. <laughs> so we still have curfew and we still have like a very limited access to stuff. Some things have been open because Florida rolled out phase one, but he limited his phase one rollout even more um, than, than the governor did. So my county is really not too bad with the exception of, you know, just old white people being old white people. But that's kind of like a Tuesday. That's regular. But the next county over, which is Seminole County, where Trayvon was killed, mm-hmm. that, and I mean, like, when I say next county over, I mean, whenever I take my runs, by the time I hit mile two, I'm in Seminole County. So mm-hmm. it is literally like walking distance, the next county over. Um, 
these motherfuckers is outside every day with their signs, they pick it in. Trump twenty twenty, let me outside, ain't no social distancing, they all breathing on each other. And I'm okay if Darwin wants to do his thing and go ahead and knock these motherfuckers off. Natural selection, get rid of them since they don't want to socially distance. Listen. I'm okay with that, but like every day they are outside, like on the corners, pick it in. I'm like, what are you mad about? Florida's open. Your county's open. What would it like? The yeah, is Florida a carry state? Open carry? Um, no, we are not open carry. No. Wow, we're not open carry, but you can carry. Yo, like not, the, you serious? Yeah, it's a concealed carry state. Mm. You can, you can absolutely, and I plan to be concealed and carrying shortly. Are you licensed now? Not yet. I should have been already. I just never had time to get over there to to do my class, but I shoot often. Listen, you know, my mom moved to Georgia like four um, years ago and her first month there, she was licensed, licensed to carry and all of that. I I should have been shotguns, pistols, all kinds of shit. I mean, it don't matter. License or no license. You come to my house, I will shoot your ass. I hear that. Uh, That is (laughs) is absolute. What, What say you, Derek Oxley? About what? About everything. You want to bust a cap in somebody? <laughs> oh. I was waiting for her to. I thought she was going to slap. Her. I'm like, I got my my ribs cracked. I'm like, yo, this is getting Listen, good. Listen, y'all, y'all have to listen to that not, last episode. If I, if I was not an attorney, I promise you, old Bronx Tasha would have knocked her ass out. However, I'm not losing my bar I was card. waiting for it. I was like, come on, let's get to the good <laughs> part. I am not losing I'm my bar here. card over the bitch that watches the freezer section in Publix. That's not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, okay. That's giving them way too much power over me. I, I yeah. will drag your ass to make a point, but I'm not about to risk my livelihood and everything that I done went in that fucking debt for. We're not doing that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's too No, it's. I mean, I've never had... I think the only, the only incident that I've had with, with folks, I went for a run, and there's a trail that's like a quarter of a mile. You get access to it like a quarter of a mile from the house, so I could walk there, and sometimes I drive there. So this, this one time I just decided I'm going to walk. I'm going to start my run outside my house, go down there, get on the trail, come back. So it's, it's two miles out and then obviously two miles coming back. So on my way back, there's this cop car waiting there for me you know i'm coming out and the guy's looking at me he's like so um i need to talk to you for a minute i'm like so, so like what were you doing and this it's summertime i got on shorts you know my singlet my hat i'm sweating i got my music in he's asking me what am i doing i'm like i'm i'm running it's like so why why you know you you know i got a call from somebody who said that you were um you know there was a there was what i was like there was it was what it's like you know somebody was out here on their property. I'm like, yeah, I was running. It's like, you can't, you can't walk on the property. I'm like, oh, okay. So I need to see some identification. It's like some, I don't have any ID. I was, I'm out running. I'm like, what do you think I'm doing? So I, to think that somebody called the cops, had them sit there, you figure two miles and I, and I wasn't running like at a blistering pace. So it had to have been maybe 35, 40 minutes that you're waiting for me to come out. Of the trail, or ask me about like what am I doing on the trail? So it's it's just I mean some people they see you and they feel like you know I have to pick up the phone, I have to call and let somebody know I seen a black man out here running, and I don't know and I and I had on running gear, sneakers, shorts, 
headphone. It's running gears. Like, what do you think I'm doing? I mean, it's, and that's you just the time what? that we're living. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that right? becomes a, a bit much of people, you know. I don't know. What I wanted to ask you um, is, you know, we constantly, as black people, right, we always have to be, there's this level of awareness that we have to have, whether we like it or not, right? Like, all right, well, what I'm going to do today is like, it's like a strategy to it. Um, but like, what do you feel that like, why do we have to do that in the first place? You know what I mean? Like, why, why, why has that become such an issue? And, and what I struggle with and what I find is, and, that's, and this is why I'm so glad we have this space to speak with black people. Is when I try to explain these things to our white counterparts, a lot of times they just don't get it. Right. And they don't understand it. Um, but but, you know, just speak, can you speak to Tasha, your level of frustrations with that? So I call it talk conversation. Um, if you get an opportunity to listen to my last episode of Black Girl SOS, um, I call it talk conversation. When people don't see color and all I see is the person and I don't understand why, you know, I am just so sorry this happened to you. That's talk shit. Don't talk to me in taupe. Talk to me in motherfucking vibrant colors. Talk to me in HD because your ass see color the same way I see color. You see it every goddamn day. I used to like and that. Taupe. You know what? It's now, supposed to. Nah. You know why? Because taupe is they use it in hospitals because it's supposed to be soothing. It's supposed to keep you calm. And when white people talk to you in taupe, it's because they no. It's seriously. It's because they're trying to minimize you vocalizing your experience as a black person in this country. They talk mm-hmm. to you in tote because they want you to feel, they want you to be calm, calm. about the oh, shit okay. that you're going through. No, 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 bitch. I'm, I'm in a fucking upheaval every day. If I so walk out my that? door, that, that's what vibrant. Color. That, for, me, it's, <laughs> for me, it's neon green. Neon green. <laughs> See the shit on, it's neon green. I, I hear you. <laughs> it is volts. It's that loud ass color that Nike uses on all their products. It's bright as hell and you can't miss it because that is what being black in this country is. It mm. is bright as hell and you can't miss it. So when somebody tells me, oh, you know, I don't see color and shit like that. When I'm trying to explain to them, listen, your experience does not mirror mine, like in the least bit. So when I came back to Florida and I started running here with Track Shack, um, which is basically like um, the equivalent of New York Roadrunners back mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Um, I was literally the only black person in my speed um, on Speed Tuesdays. There's no other black person there. And there was only two other people of color. One was an Asian man and one is a Latina. That's it. That's it. No, that, it's just the three of us. And I don't even count the Asian dude because... He funny style. I ain't gonna hold y'all. He got he, he funny style. So I, don't, I don't really fuck with him. But me, me and me and the Latina chick, we who we actually used to live um, across the street from each other before I moved to Winter Park. Um, so we were really cool. So you know, everybody around me is white, white, like Florida. You know, they parents are Republican type of white people Mm -hmm. and I was having a conversation with one of the girls in my pace group she was saying that um she just had a new baby and she was she left her job um and I was like oh you know that's great that you and your husband are in a situation where you could actually leave your job like to stay home like that's awesome and you still have time to come out and run and shit like yo kudos and um she was like yeah you know we had that opportunity because my parents were so nice and they let us move back in and i was like that's really funny because when people of color move back in with their parents it's always why don't you motherfuckers get a job 
but you left your job. I said, so I, I, I find that very interesting, this approach that you've taken to life. And she was like, no, I don't really, that's a no, no, I didn't ask you, I'm telling you. <laughs> that when you all do it, it's like, oh, look at this family that is giving their kid an opportunity to move back home with their spouse and their young child so that they can save up money, even though she left her job. So I'm not even sure how that assisted with the savings, but whatever. You moved back home so that you guys could save money so that you can move into a bigger house. But if we move back home, the very first narrative is, motherfuckers don't work they lazy Mm -hmm. they mooching off their mama they mooching off their grandmother or x y and z i said the narrative is never the same i said and this is always going to be my issue like it's never not going to be my issue and i guess it's frustrating because or not i guess i know it's frustrating because it is woven into the tapestry of this country and this country tries to act like that ain't it (laughs) <laughs> you know, like if you if you've been to Germany before, you know that Germany takes pride in admitting where they fucked up historically. Like they and you can walk anywhere in Berlin and find historical artifacts of how fucked up they were as a country and, and how they hope to never repeat that part of their history. But in America, black history don't even start until slavery in school. So it's like we were not even a person before then. And they don't see that as a fucked up part of, mm-hmm. of American culture. They don't see that as something being woven into the fabric that they teach us our history from enslavement. So shit like that is very frustrating when I talk to people who are not of color. And even when I talk to people of color whose parents came here willingly, that, that, I, I have that frustration also with them. Like, I'm very happy that your family was not enslaved. I'm ecstatic that you know your lineage. I would, I would not wish this on my worst enemy to have lost your history and not know from where you descended. So to talk to me as if you're somehow better than me, bruh, my lineage endured 400 years of fuck you and we still thriving. Mm-hmm. So you're not better than me. Like you came here for the hard work my family put in. The little bit of grace that you do get here, send me a thank you card, bitch. We did that. You know what I'm saying? This shit wasn't free, and it wasn't you, easy. You cracking the boys up. They, they didn't know <laughs> Tasha. They didn't know you. He said, send me a thank you card. <laughs> I don't have a mom mama. I'm like, yo, she talking about mom. She talking about my mama and daddy? They came here. Yeah, so. Listen, if, if they came here, acted brand new about it, then yes, I'm talking What's to What's your address? I'll send you, I'll send you a thank you call. I'll like, start to talk to you in tow. <laughs> things have gotten better when I go to Florida <laughs> Derek I better not see you, to- you using a top line going forward I'm talk- I- Yo, I I'm a you can use it just like me I'm gonna you give can you use credit it just the first like time me. I'm gonna give <laughs> you credit the first time, time. That's I- I'll it. take it the first time that's alright right. talking to me in mauve she said oh, top <laughs> <laughs> I can't I might use that tomorrow I think I might crack it in tote. Asha, he's not kidding. He's gonna steal your shit. I think think he's very serious. I'm serious. I'm gonna say she was this angry black woman. She said, "Don't talk to her and talk." That just triggered her. Let me tell you something. It's very important for black women to not be phased by other people's narratives. 
Mm-hmm. Because the minute we are phased by what other people dictate about us, that's when we stop fighting for money at work. Like, these are some of the things I talk about in my podcast and some of the things I talk about with young girls that I've mentored. And even, like, some of my colleagues. Like, I have literally rewritten um, counter-offer letters for fellow attorneys. Like, we get so caught up in the narrative of whatever other people put on us, right? We don't want to be the angry black woman. We don't want to be the combative black woman. We don't want to be defensive. We don't want to look ungrateful. And then we'll get a job offer for something that is significantly lower than what we are worth. And then we don't want to squander the opportunity. So we don't push Mm -hmm. back and ask for what we deserve. And it's like, bruh, capitalism is capitalism. If you don't ask for your money, ain't nobody going to give it to you. If I can get the work for less, I'm going to get it for less. Push back. But when you become so consumed with not wanting to feed a narrative that's not even truth, you hold yourself back. You give them all Mm -hmm. the authority to be like, hey, well, you know what? Since I'm offering you pennies on a dollar, take it or leave it. Fucking leave it. Mm -hmm. Leave it. Because I bet you if you Mm -hmm. really worth the money, they're going to come back and pay your ass. They always do. Yep. So you can't be wrong at that. <laughs> tote. I'm a tote for real, for real. He's so silly. Mm-hmm. I'm he thinking about silly. how I'm going to use it in a sentence. I might have to enter that in um the Urban Dictionary. If I see that shit in the Urban Dictionary, I know you did it. You're going to have to pay <laughs> Tasha residuals for that one. I'm going to sue your ass. <laughs> so, wow. Mm. That's all right. Jay, where are you at? Are you all in New York? Is that no, everybody so, in New York? Also, for the past two years, I had relocated. I moved to Canada. I grew up in the Bronx, uh, Washington Projects. Okay. So, um, yeah, spent the better part of my life there and then just relocated out here. So the discussion I had with Kim, you know, I wanted to work. I had my podcast and I was already following Kim as well. And then the Ahmad Aubrey uh, situation happened, right? The killing. I'm just going to mm-hmm. call it what it is. It's and, a murder. It's not a right? killing. It's a murder. murder. Exactly. It's the slaughter, yeah. right? And, um, you know, I thought that this was a perfect opportunity, actually, to for us to combine our podcast and just have collective minds. Because, you know, as we discussed, you know, in this program, there's just discussions that I can't have with people outside of our race and that they understand and they get it. And I have these conversations with my people and you, and they understand, right? And, and to me, like, that's something that's important. And we all have platforms and we all have a space and not only is it important to get the message out, but it's just therapeutic. I don't know about anybody else, but for myself, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. therapeutic to have that conversation and be like, you know what happened? You know, you know, it's going, you know, nothing's going to happen to them, right? You know, nothing's going to get, they're just going to get off, right? So it's just, it's just, it's therapeutic to have that, that conversation. And um, it's just important because at the, at the end of the day, I just want to see us move forward, whether it's, you know, we have our own businesses or, you know, we, 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 support each other and we just unify um i just because i see other groups do it right it's just i'm just going to be candid when i say it but it happens in the jewish community it happens in communities they have their own banks they have their own communities and and things like that and i'm just really really proactive and at any time if it's positive and 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 it's us i'm for Mm -hmm. it Uh, listen i support that where are you at Derek? and i was about to say kinetic I'm in Connecticut. I don't know why I was thinking oh, Canada. God bless you. <laughs> why? Why are you saying like that? He's in Wally Wally World. I used to work in New. I used to work in New London. 
okay. I used, to teach, in New, I used to teach in New Wally London. World. Connecticut. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Really? Over there? Yeah. I'm just, there. you know, have you been to New London? <laughs> no, I don't know where New London. I've been out here about maybe five, six years now. Originally where are you at, NCT? Wally World. Wallingford. Oh, oh, she was being for real. I was yeah, being for Wally real. World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real, for real. Wallingford. Yo, so... I took I, I when I first moved to Connecticut, I was living in Bridgeport. Okay. Right. And so um a friend of mine, like I was working in, in, in Wallingford. And so a friend told me, like, yeah, you know, you, I, let me find a place or whatever. And so when I finally moved here, she was like, Oh, by the way, the Ku Klux Klan used to meet in the town hall. What? Sounds sounds about in right. Bridgeport? No, in no, Wallingford. In oh, Wallingford, okay. Yeah. I'm what? like, really? So, I no, mean, this is like after the fact. I'm like, huh? Unbelievable. Yeah. Wait, so wait, this is like the still? last. They don't, I, I don't think they do it anymore. I'm pretty sure they don't do it anymore. Or maybe they do. Hmm. They just, maybe maybe it's at somebody's house. Go and over there like the at last um, 3 a.m. No, and good. see what's going on. I ain't, I ain't going to nobody's <laughs> house so 3 a.m. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And it was like the last state safe. to um, celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday. The last county in, in, in Connecticut to celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday. So it was like, oh, they, they're sort of like a little behind. <laughs> a little. A little. <laughs> just a little yeah, behind. Connecticut is trash. I got, <laughs> I got no, a it lot is, of, It's crazy. I got a lot of family that live out there. They're in Bridgeport and in New Haven. And um, when I was young, I used to go to Fresh Air Fund in Weathersfield, which is a small white ass town in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was only two black families there. I went back to visit as an adult when I started teaching in New London after college. And then there was only one family left, and they were moving. <laughs> they, they had a for sale sign on their, on their front lawn. Um, I, I, def, I think that was like my first experience with real racism was when I was in junior high school, and I used to go to Connecticut for Fresh Air Fund. Because I was very, I've always been like this. So like, this is, this is the same ass energy mm-hmm. I've always had. Um, and I got there and I was just like, y'all slapped the shit out your little white ass. Like, I don't know who you think you're talking to, but mm-hmm. I'm from the hood. <laughs> and they just felt like they could say and do anything to me because I was a black girl. And I was like, yo, I'm not you motherfuckers out. Like, I'm not really sure what kind of time y'all on. And I just like, like literally, I think it was like the second day I was there. I think I knocked this girl off her bike. I was like, "Sis, I'm not <laughs> sure what you heard, but this ain't that. Like, this is not. This is not that Sweet Valley High popular girl in school gets to say whatever she wants. Shit, I will slap you with a fucking bottle. Like, I grew up in a rough ass neighborhood in the '80s, bitch. I survived crack. This is not a game." Like you mm-hmm. really gotta monitor how you talk yeah. to people. That and I mm-hmm. tell white people that at work. Monitor your tone. Monitor that shit. This is where you should use tope. This is where white people don't use tope when they get to work. Yeah. They wanna talk to you when they have like their little authority and they're a little higher than you on the org chart. Then they wanna talk to you in fucking hyper pink, right? Everything is real mm-hmm. vibrant and, and big. Mm-hmm. This is where you need to use tope. My job is based out of Chicago and I work from home. Um, and I'd be like, listen, a lot of people from the South side of Chicago have jobs, <laughs> right? 
watch how you talk to those people at work. Everything you heard about the South Side of Chicago is a fact. Like, nobody made that shit up. Mm-hmm. These people will fuck you up after hours. Mind how you talk to them. They might have somebody come up after work while you minding your business, fucking drinking your fucking Starbucks frap after you done got real spicy on the phone talking crazy. Because, I mean, I have some work colleagues that talk out of pocket, like, like we on the streets. And I always have to mm-hmm. remind them, like, mind who you're talking to like that. These motherfuckers got cousins that don't give a fuck about nothing that live on the west side. I mean, on the yeah, on the west side of Chicago. I'm like, this shit could go left. They on the south side. These niggas is on the belt. Like, these people are crazy for real. Like, people in Chicago, the crime rate is still high. Mm-hmm. COVID. <laughs> Not taking a break, huh? Like, we're locked in, and the crime rate is still up. So I would just use that as a litmus test. <laughs> For how to conduct mm-hmm. myself with mm-hmm. certain people. When they should talk in taupe, they talk very vibrant. And, you know, when they need to acknowledge that shit is out of control, they want to talk in taupe. Um, but to the other part of your question about <laughs> Aubrey, because I am an attorney, I am probably more frustrated than than other people, than you know, quote-unquote layman's. I... I Cause it's a constant reminder of how very broken the justice system is. And those of us that are black attorneys, like we live, we live in a very limited structure, you know, like we're we're all trying to fight the good fight. Even those of us that are not civil rights attorneys, like I'm not a civil rights attorney. Um, I'm a business attorney and we're all trying to fight the good fight from whatever seat we're in. But we feel so smothered because there's always limitations to what we can do, right? Like, doesn't matter how hard we advocate, if this if this case is in a county full of racists, i.e. Trayvon, that jury is still that fucking jury. Doesn't matter how well I do my job. And then to the outside world, it looks like the Black attorney let the Black family down. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's like you can't win for losing. And that's doubly frustrating. So with this Aubrey situation, and I really don't anticipate that it's going to end favorably at all, um, given where the count given the county that it's in, given the fact that um it took two DAs recusing themselves and a leak. Mm-hmm. of the video to even get it where it's at. I am not I'm not very hopeful that we're going to get a good result from this. So Now what happens with the case because the district attorney, she's not in New, New Brunswick, right? She's outside of there. No, yeah, she's city. outside of there, but it's still going to be tried where it happened unless they unless they motion to move the venue. Um, and then even still that motion needs to be granted, right? So then we still have to deal with the judges that sit on the bench. And these judges sit on the bench for eons. They, they, they're veteran racists. You know what I'm saying? They're not even Neos at it. They, they've been racist mm. for a long time and they've been sitting on the bench for a long time. They've been incarcerating us at unfair rates and for unfair sentences for a long time. So it's like, we so he'll get all, a jury of his peers. Correct. Yeah, correct. <laughs> and a, and a judge of his peers. So mm-hmm. a judge that probably is his peer. And that's my point. Li- literally. <laughs> exactly. That's crazy. 
Sasha, what are some of the tactics just from a legal aspect that you see them doing? Because like, and I knew about this because I grew up in, in the 80s and the 90s um, during that time. But with Amadou Diallo, what they did, right? Because when he got killed by the officers, <clears throat> shot at 14 times, mm-hmm. right? They knew, okay, we- Like 40 something times. We're going to, yeah, we're going to take this to Albany. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they're not going to do a motion uh, to move just because it's a jury of their peers, white peers. But what do, what do you see them doing- uh, in the defense, rather, trying to prepare for this case. Because I always feel like every time that we saw it with Trayvon Martin and mm-hmm. we're seeing it now with Ahmad, that when they die and they get killed, they're on trial. That's always the case. And I think mm-hmm. that what Lee Merritt is trying to do and what um, – um, what's the other guy's name? He actually went to my school too. Can't even think of his name. Starts with he, was, C. He, he was also on the Trayvon case. Um, Crumb. I'm sorry. Crumb, thank you. Crumb. Um so they are they're very savvy to the very the differences. So there's there's real innate differences to like a Trayvon and, and an Ahmad issue and an Amadou. Amadou happened in New York. That's a blue state, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's number one. A jury of your peers just might get you some people that are gonna be for Amadou. That is less likely to happen in a red state like Florida and in and, and a hyper red state like Georgia. So the, the jury alone is already going to be more leaning towards prosecution. The jury is already being influenced because of the media. And Every with day. social media making everything that much more accessible, very contrary to how things were when the Amadou Diallo issue happened. Like then you needed to wait on the news. You needed to wait on a newspaper run. Now you can get your narrative out like that. And I think that Merritt and Crump are very, very savvy at the way that they try to use social media to ensure that the narrative does not, um, does not lean in a Fox kind of way where we are putting the victim on trial and we are remembering who the criminal is and and who is actually on trial and who needs to be prosecuted. So I think that they're very smart in doing that. um, Especially because like I said, the jury is already being influenced. I do think they should motion to move the venue. I don't think that it would be granted truthfully, but I think they should do it anyway. If anything, it stalls, it stalls moving the case forward and just gives them more time to build their case, like utilize all the procedural stallings that you can to build a stronger case. Because in red states, even when shit is airtight, somehow they manage to poke a hole. So. Thank you, Tasha. I appreciate that feedback on that. No problem. It's good to have a little uh, legalese up in here. (laughs) (laughs) To tell us, you know, what's going on. But yeah, I want to thank Tasha talk so. for being on the show. <laughs> thank you Tasha for having me. Yes, you. Black Girl SOS. If you guys are not subscribed to her podcast, you, the way she kept it real here, she keeps it even more real on that show. Black Girl SOS. Yeah, and it's G-Y-R-L. Oh, okay. G-Y-R-L. <laughs> and yes, thank you to Mr. Derek Oxley. He's been on the Runway Podcast before. Y'all might recognize him. Uh, his show, Behind the Wheel Podcast. I'll put all of the links in the description below so you can follow both of them. And hopefully we could do this again under better, better circumstances. Better circumstances. <laughs> no. All right, guys. Thank you so thank much you. for being on the show. Y'all have right. a great day. All right. We'll see y'all on the internet. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye.
Okay, so I want to thank all of our guests for being on the show. We will have all of their links in the show notes so that you can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, etc. Um, I want to thank Mr. Jay Denson for coming up with this idea and, you know, getting all of us together to have this important discussion. Jay, you want to say something to the people? <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. I want to thank um, listeners. We're Brooke, as you know, we're combining uh, listeners from both. So, you know, the goal to this is to expose our audiences, not only to my fit health, well audience to the runway um, listeners and then the runway mm-hmm. listeners to that as well. And then just, just some ending closing points regarding our discussion today is, you know, I don't want anyone to come away from this um, and anyone that's not black is being a negative thing. Um, for, speaking for myself, um, what I want to happen is uh, black people in general, we are so supportive. We support the LGBT community. We also support civil rights. We're at the forefront of a lot of causes. And all that we ask is that you guys share anyone that's really outraged as much as we are. We just need that action and we need, we need help. Right. And we can do it ourselves and we will do it ourselves. But, you know, we don't need criticism. We don't need a, a, a dead a dead child to be on trial during at this time. We need solutions. So anytime you have solutions and you can help that, I'm grateful for it. You can always send an email to us at fithealthwell at gmail.com. And then, Kim, you can also give your information regarding that as well. Um, yeah, you can uh, email me at hello at therunwave.com. And the whole purpose of this conversation was to talk about Ahmad Aubrey. Continue to say his name. Continue to use the hashtag I run with Maud. Continue to log those 2.23 miles and posting about it. Let's not let his name and memory uh, go away with this new cycle. Let's keep it going and keep him and other people, Breonna Taylor, so many people that are have been killed, Black people. So let's keep them in our thoughts and prayers and at the forefront of, you know, just everything. Just keep their memories alive. That's great. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening. <clears throat> As always, we really, really appreciate that. Make sure you follow Fit Health Well on IG. That's fit.health.well. And then you can also follow us on Twitter. We're trying to grow our audience there, Fit Health Well CA. And then also, again, we have a Facebook page, same thing, Fit Health Well. And then finally, again, if you want to send and shoot us an email, fithealthwell at gmail.com. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye-bye. And I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in, not only for the past two episodes, but all 20 episodes. Uh, when I started this podcast in February of 2020, I, you know, I, I had a goal of what I wanted to do and a mission rather. And that was to just create awareness uh, and produce content that would help people uh, as it would mean in terms of fitness and health and wellness and things of that nature. And here we are, we're 20 episodes in. And we've got a lot of user engagement, which I've really, really been grateful for. And not only has it motivated me just to continue bringing you con- content and producing content related to that, um, but it's a, a, a bit of gratitude towards that. So again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. If there are episodes that you've missed, I, w- I encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes. We have a wide variety of topics. Okay, so there's one thing that when I created this health and wellness brand, I didn't want it to be singular. I didn't want it to be one thing. I wanted to have a variety of things 
and topics that can help multiple people. So again, if you're looking for personal training tips, if you're looking for self-defense, if you're looking for wellness, if you anything in terms of mental health, all of that's covered in the first season. Second season, we have nutrition coming up. We also have some great, great, great influencers that I've been in contact with that's agreed to come on the show. So I have a lot of live things in store. So I thank you guys for that. I'm grateful for that. And if you haven't followed, please make sure you guys are following us on Instagram. That's fit.health.well on IG. On Twitter, it's fithealthwellca. And then our Facebook page is fithealthwell. Please click a like if you're on Facebook. And then again, if you'd like to be a guest, feedback, or you just like to communicate, you could also send us an email at fithealthwell at gmail.com. Again, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the first season. It was a great season. And stay tuned for the second season coming up. I love all you guys. Thank you for listening. And you had to take it easy.